Greetings, ladies. Thank you for gathering with me as we study Chapter 13, Financial Responsibility of the Godly Woman Bible Study. From the beginning of our study, we have purposed to build an imaginary bicycle that represents our life. The strong frame upon which all is built is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Attached to the frame, we have the back wheel, chain of grace, the front wheel, and the basket, which holds specific areas that we need to navigate with great caution and wisdom so that they don't become an obstacle but help us achieve God's plan for our life. We have looked at priorities, goals, and the use of time from our basket. Last week, we covered finding God's will, which is an absolute foundation in understanding God's plan for our life. Today, another area from our basket is financial responsibility. Let's turn our minds and hearts to ask God for his insight into this very important topic. Dear Father, We are thankful that you have created a payment for our work system through which you meet many of our life's needs. We acknowledge, Father, that our strength to work comes from you, and for that blessing, we are thankful. Help us as we study to see money and things from the eyes of a good steward that serves you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's hear from Irma's heart to yours. She says, Today's lesson provides a valuable opportunity to learn about biblically-based personal financial truths and principles. I want you to realize that this subject is as spiritual as any other. The scriptural record of Christ's teaching indicates that he spoke more about money than any other subject, including eternal life, heaven, and hell combined. It is essential that every woman knows how to live within an income, how to manage money, how to give, and how to save. When women outlive their husbands or are single, they sometimes face financial problems and decisions they are ill-equipped to handle. It is a wise woman who learns these principles and is prepared. I pray that today's lesson will help you gain a better understanding of biblically-based financial principles. Love, Irma. Ladies, is it a joy for you to go to work every day? For some, work is in our home. But for the single and businesswoman, where employment is outside the home, This can cause a conflict of interest. Money represents life because we must invest our lives to acquire it. Money in itself is neither good nor bad, but becomes one or the other only in the context of its use. In its basic use, it is a medium of exchange. Since it represents life, we as Christians are responsible for its use and handling. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, 
Ladies, ask yourself, are you faithful with the money God gives you? What would you say is true biblical wealth? Today, let's look at some truths from the Bible about money, financial principles, and giving. Let's begin with financial truths. First, the Apostle Paul's perspective on life is stated in Philippians 3.8, which says, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Oh, dear friends, can you say that? To know Jesus Christ as your God and Lord is the greatest and most precious reward on earth. Nothing, no nothing, compares with this relationship to Christ. Secondly, who owns the world's riches? Well, the Bible says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. He owns it all. Thirdly, God gives us the ability to make money. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make wealth. Fourthly, be on guard when wealth and prosperity increases, lest you forget God. Deuteronomy 8.12-14 reads, Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The fifth point is don't trust in your riches. Proverbs says, He who trusts in his riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. The sixth point is don't pour your life into getting more. Proverbs says, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. Seventh point, Agur asks God in Proverbs. It says, two things I ask of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Agur knew the value of his relationship with the Almighty God. Do you, dear friends? Point eight. We cannot serve two masters. In the book of Matthew, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Ladies, that is so clear. The ninth point is Mark 4.19, which says, But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. We can allow anxiety, money, careers, or possessions to overpower our desire to follow Jesus in obedience to his word. Be on your guard against this attack. 
The tenth point is found in 1 Timothy. The Bible says, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. If you give your heart to making money, your love for God will grow cold. Jesus has said in Luke 12, verse 25, that life does not consist of our possessions. Therefore, we need to be on guard at all times against greed. Let me ask you a question, ladies. How do you shop? Do you buy according to your need? Or do you ask the Lord to help you in everything that you're going to do? Shopping today is as easy as a click on the computer or a swipe on your credit card. But ladies, one personal exercise could be to ask God before buying. Lord, do I need this or just want it? Why don't you pray and ask God which one of those it is? I check with my husband on most purchases and we shop together for groceries now that our children are grown and have their own homes. Taking God shopping with me is an act of submission on my part with the results that it is not only a joy, but it's a money saver. Another principle that safeguards our hearts is to give and give generously. God has provided an amazing display of his generous heart and his love of giving through our beautiful world, our interaction with people, and in his glorious heavens. Most of us will quote Ephesians 3.20 which says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. God loves us to answer our prayers, needs and desires above whatever we could think of or even ask. He is a giving God, and we should be giving believers for his glory. Now for some biblical principles on giving. First, there are blessings when we give, and God loves to open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. My husband is incredibly generous and loves to give to God's work, his people and the poor and the ministry of the gospel. I am blessed and challenged watching him. But he has also passed this love of giving on to our children and grandchildren. It has become part of his legacy. The second point is found in the Bible, which says, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A friend I know heard over the TV news that an out-of-town man whose family member was recovering from a heart surgery at the local hospital had his car broken into and many items and money stolen. My friend, led by God, took a large cash gift, went to the hospital, and gave it to the man. Wow! The gift of giving. Only God knows the internal impact my friend made. The third point is that God will always provide for our needs sufficiently so that we can abundantly give. 
In Philippians, the Bible says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In Corinthians, we find, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. When our family of six arrived in the United States from Australia, we had our suitcases, but no home, household items, or furniture. Our eyes and prayers went to our God to provide. Jeff came home one day and said a missionary couple had to leave to go on field in three days. They were wondering if we would like their household contents and kitchen items. Yes, we said, and the Lord provided a rental house to put all that we got from them into our new home. What a reminder to us it was that God will always provide and at the right time. The fourth point is that giving to the poor brings great delight to the Father, and He will repay the giver for His good deeds. You will find, ladies, that it is impossible to outgive God. The fifth point is we are to share with those who teach us God's word. Galatians 6, 6 says, Whether it be our pastors, teachers, or music leaders, share what you have with them. The sixth point is found in James 2, 15 and 16, and it is so clear, and it reads, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Verse 17 says, Even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Let me close this session with a little story that I would like to read to you called The Ragged Boy and the Rich Woman. There was once a ragged boy looking at a beautiful store window at Christmas time. The window was filled with all the wonderful toys of the season, but the child's eyes were not on the bright mechanical objects that normally would capture a boy's gaze. Instead, he looked beyond those things to a very warm pair of boots in the window for he wore nothing but a very thin undershirt and a threadbare pair of trousers. He had no coat. His feet, cracked and bleeding from the cold, were wrapped only in rags. A large limousine pulled up in front of the store, and a chauffeur opened the door for a very finely dressed lady. She noticed the little boy, as she started inside, she took his hand, led him into the store, and began to outfit him. Outfit him. First of all, she got him a warm shirt, some very worn trousers, and a heavy coat. Then she chose a warm cap with flaps to pull down over his ears, some socks, and finally, you guessed it, that beautiful pair of warm, fur-lined boots in the window. The child 
was speechless with amazement. The woman went about outfitting him. He looked up at her and asked, Ma'am, are you God's wife? She smiled and said, No, but I am one of his daughters. Therefore, ladies, go and do likewise, for you too are one of his daughters. Let us pray. Dear Father, may our hearts be loving and giving hearts, not only to share the gospel and our love, but to meet the needs of those we come into contact with on a daily basis. Thank you that we can join you in this ministry. Help us to use our money biblically, not as the world does. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Ladies, until we gather again, bye for now.